are listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Midtown. This is our sermon series, The Holy Spirit, Power in Us. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Thank you. Today's scripture reading is from Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And you may be seated. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are thankful that all of our our lives you have been faithful. All of our lives you have been so, so good. And we thank you that we have tasted and seen your goodness in the moment we gave our lives to Christ by faith. And so, Lord, we can say with the hymnist, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the victory. But Lord, now in this world, we suffer. And we find ourselves as believers when we suffer, not knowing what to pray. So we pray this morning through your word, you'd encourage us, your people, to pray in all circumstances, in times of joy and sorrow because your spirit is praying for us. And Father, I feel a a great burden this morning as the preacher, for I know there are brothers and sisters right now who are suffering. And so I pray that you would help me to give them a word that would lift them up and give them strength and hope that's rooted in what you've done for us in Christ. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes we do not know what to pray when we or someone we know suffers. In 2018, my beloved aunt, who raised me, slowly died in hospice care. And I did not know what to pray. I knew how to pray, but I did not know what to pray. In the final six weeks of her life, before she entered hospice, my prayers went from God, please heal her. Because she wasn't a believer. She had a cardiac arrest in front of me in the hospital, and God was merciful, and he used the doctors to revive her, and 
When she came to her senses, six weeks before she died, she, she gave her life to Jesus Christ by faith. So you heard my cry. But eventually her life quickly began to spiral downward as she got sicker and sicker. And I went from praying for God to heal her to praying for God to take her away to be with Jesus. And we know how hospice care works, don't we? There's no playing games when you go to hospice, right? We know that's the end. And I still pleaded with God, please heal her. But eventually I accepted reality, but still struggled with the tension between asking God to heal her and asking God to take her away to be with Jesus. In those moments, what did I do? What do you do in those moments? Well, I cried a lot. But eventually I claimed verses like Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Verses that say when we don't know what to pray, when we suffer, God's will is not stifled because the Spirit is praying for us, pleading on our behalf to God. That's the point of the text. That's the point of my sermon. Let me state it again. When we do not know what to pray, when we suffer, the Spirit prays for us in accordance with God's will. Two truths. Number one, the Spirit helps us in our weakness by praying for us when we do not know what to pray when we suffer. Notice verse 26. Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. First notice how Paul begins the verse when he uses the word likewise. He's showing us that what's coming in verses 26 and 27 connect back to what he has previously discussed in Romans chapter 8. Now, I'm not going to read each of these verses for you in detail, but I'm going to highlight some things that Paul says in Romans 8, 1 through 16 about the Spirit. He says in verse 2 of Romans 8 that the Spirit freed us from our bondage to sin. In verses 3 and 4, he says, God did for us what the law could not do, and that he sent Jesus to die for us, verse 3, so that the righteous requirement of the law, verse 4, would be fulfilled in us who walk in accordance with the Spirit. Now, verse 5, he says, those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, he says, to set the mind on on the Spirit is life and is peace. Verse 80 says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But verse 9, you're not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit if the Spirit of God dwells in you. Verse 10, he says, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit. Verse 13, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit, we are sons and daughters of God. 
Because we, verse 15, did not receive the spirit of slavery, but we received the spirit of adoption. Verse 16, the Spirit, hear this, the Spirit Himself bears witness to our spirit. How do you know that you are a child of God? Many reasons. One reason, the Spirit testifies to your spirit that you belong to God through Christ. Verse 26, likewise. You see the connection? Do you see the connection? Just as the Spirit did all of these things, so also, or likewise, the Spirit helps us when we suffer. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Our, our weakness is a reference to suffering. Because verses 17 through 25, Paul talks about suffering. For example, verse 17 of Romans 8, Paul says, The sufferings of the present world are not comparable to the glory that is about to be revealed in us. And this suffering, verse 26, or this weakness in verse 26, that comes, it comes to us in a broken world impacted by the power of sin, impacted by the curse. I'm going to stop for a moment until that phone stops ringing. And I'm going to repeat everything I just said. So I'm going to claim my three minutes that I'm losing right now, okay? I'm going to claim them. So let me go back. Thank God I use a manuscript when I preach. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, and the weakness is suffering. And weakness is something we experience. Suffering is something we experience in a fallen world impacted by the power of sin. Romans chapter 8, verse 17 supports this fact when Paul says that our current suffering is not comparable to the glory that is about to be revealed in us. And did you notice it? This is very encouraging. Verse 26, the Spirit is, is helping us when we suffer. And the reason He is helping us when we suffer is because we do not, verse 26, know what to pray. Have you ever felt like that? You know how to pray, but you don't know what to pray. As we ought to pray, but the Spirit, notice this beautiful language, Himself, He intercedes for us. He pleads for us with groanings too deep for words. I like the NIV, with wordless groans. He doesn't need to use words unlike us when He prays for us because He knows perfectly the will of God. In verses 21 through 23, Paul says the entire creation is crying out, longing to be liberated from its current bondage to sin as it awaits redemption. We as human beings are part of that creation, and we, with the entire creative order, we cry out. Every time someone is murdered, creation is crying out. Every time someone is wrongly incarcerated, that is creation's way of crying out. Every time we subject ourselves to sin, that is creation's way of crying out, aching, longing for its redemption. Every time we bury someone, that's creation's way of crying out, proclaiming through that act that something is profoundly wrong with the world. But notice here in verse 26, Paul says, the Spirit, He helps us. He assists us when we are weak, 
When we suffer, now, question, let's think about the text together. How does he help us? He helps us by taking away all of our suffering. It's not what he says. He he helps us by praying for us when we do not know what to pray as we suffer. Sometimes, let's be honest, life is vexing, isn't it? It is hard. Oh, yes, we can put our Sunday best on and fake it. But right now, some of us are having turmoil in our souls. And we walk into this place with all sorts of pain that perhaps no one else knows about. And we are aching, longing without words for God to heal us or provide for us that which we long for in our bodies. Life is unpredictable, filled with suffering. And while we know how to pray, we often do not know what to pray. But the Spirit is praying for us, asking God to work out His will for us when our prayers fall flat because of our lack of knowledge of what to pray. This year, I began my 16th year of teaching in theological higher education. And for the first five and a half years of my teaching ministry, I taught at a university that was in a very poor community. And there were numerous students in that school who suffered all sorts of different experiences. And one particular student who stands out in my mind had so many obstacles in front of him. He had social obstacles. He was also in poverty. And he was given the burden and responsibility of caring for a sick parent. But he was always joyful, always lighthearted. There was a mood that he brought into a room that was so calm and encouraging because we knew how, as professors and students, how much he suffered. It was a small school. But one day his suffering began to overwhelm him, and he came to to my class, and he sat down, and with broken words and tears almost in his eyes, he said, Dr. Williams' life is just so hard. And I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to pray, but we prayed for him. But the Spirit knew what to pray. Because, again, look, he says, the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep, For words, when our clarity is absent, when our theological categories are blown up because of our suffering, trust me, you might believe God is sovereign right now when life is going well, but when pain comes into your life, you might begin to question that reality. And you don't know what to pray. But the good news is the Spirit prays for you. God's will, brothers and sisters, y'all still with me? God's will is not predicated upon my ability to say the right words when I pray. God's will is based upon His sovereign power to work all things out for the good of His people and for the glory of His name so that when my prayer life is so weak because of my suffering that all I can do is say, Lord, have mercy, the Spirit uses that prayer as a means by which to conform what I'm asking into God's very will. Because He's praying for us. I don't know why, but for some reason, 
My head is like a magnet attracted to cabinets when I'm in the kitchen or somewhere doing something. If you felt that way, you open up the cabinet and for some reason you raise up, you know the cabinet is there, but you bang your head on it. I was going outside one day and I was putting some things in my car on a Saturday morning and I banged my head on my car on the top of the, of the door. I didn't say any words, but I had a lot of groans. But with those groans, I was throwing punches, going, uh, uh. and then I stopped and I said, wait a minute, I'm outside. <laughs> and I turned to my left, and I kid you not, one of my neighbors was on the back porch, of her, or front porch of her house. She looked at me, she shook her head, walked back in her house because she had nothing to say. <laughs> Sometimes we're like that when we pray. We shake our heads. Our life is falling apart. We forget the truths that we learned from the beginning of our faith. And we don't know what to say. But we have the Holy Spirit praying for us even as the creation cries out with intense longings for its redemption, the Spirit's prayers for us surpass creation's longings. That's what that verb intercede suggests to us, by the way. Creation cries out through those gunshots. Creation cries out through death. But the Spirit's prayers surpass those cries and hears and enters into the ears and heart and mind of God. I'm speaking, of course, metaphorically. And God answers in accordance with the Spirit's desire because it's in perfect conformity with God's will. Are you suffering right now, brothers and sisters? What are your groanings today? Is it a new job? Is it alleviation from sickness or suffering? Is it brokenness because of a relationship that ended? What is your longing today? Where have you lost words in your prayer life to pray? The invitation for you is to trust the Spirit to answer your prayers in conformity with God's will. Because the Spirit would take your prayers and translate them to God's will. By, by, by the way, I don't have time to unpack these verses today. Maybe, maybe another time. But in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30, that's why all things, or one reason why all things work together for the good, right? Because the Spirit's praying for us. Make that connection. And Jesus in Romans 8, Jesus is also praying for us. you got a lot of people praying for you. you got the Trinity praying for you. And the Trinity working on your behalf. But, but you also have in Romans 8, 28 to 30, that, that God foreloved and he predestined and he calls and he justifies and he glorifies. So every single thing in our lives is, is working out for our salvific good. That is, everything that's happening to us, though it might not always be good, God is protecting us through Christ by the Spirit. And one thing he's using is prayer as a means by which to enable us to endure our suffering, even when we don't know what to say to him. That's the first truth. God helps us when we suffer. 
because the Spirit's praying for us. Second, God knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit prays for us in accordance with God's will when we suffer. Verse 27. Look at, look at the verse with me. And he who searches our hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I love that verse. In the context, you have a question you have to ask yourself. Who is he who searches our hearts? I think the answer is that he who searches our hearts and who knows the mind of the Spirit is a reference to God. I'll give you three reasons. First, in verses 18 through 25, Paul asserts that God subjected creation to futility with the hope that he would liberate creation from its bondage to the power of sin. I understand the futility to which God subjected creation to refer to the curse, Genesis chapter 3. Just read Genesis 3 on your own. God cursed the serpent, the ground, the woman, and the man because of sin. Sin, therefore, sin, therefore separates us vertically from God, horizontally from one another, and the whole creation is subjected to the power of that curse. That's why, by the way, creation is crying out for its redemption. Second, in verse 27, Paul says, the Spirit prays in accordance with God's will. And then in verses 28 through 30, third, Paul says, God works out everything for our redemptive purposes, since he foreloves us, predestines us, calls us to be conformed to the image of his Son, justifies us, and will glorify us. Thus, in my view, Paul is saying, God the Father searches our hearts. Now, that word heart is a tricky word, but I think he means searches our desires, our emotions, our longings, our motives. And he knows, God knows our hearts, but he also knows the thoughts of the Spirit. So we might have desires when we pray that are not in conformity with what the Spirit thinks. Does that make sense? But God knows our hearts, and he knows what the Spirit thinks, because the Spirit thinks what the Father thinks. And when the Father is searching our hearts, he's not answering our prayers in accordance with our desires. Praise God! Because sometimes my desires are evil, not good. He answers them in accordance with the Spirit's desire, because the Spirit's desire is the Father's desire and the Son's desire. I think this is right. Because, he says, the Spirit's mind and thoughts are the same as the Father's. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, share in the same divine nature and will. So the Spirit perfectly knows God's will as he prays to the Father who searches our hearts and who perfectly knows the pain that we suffer. And the words that we are trying to utter. Therefore, the Spirit cries to our God on our behalf, and He translates our broken prayers filled with pain and grief and uncertainty in accordance with what God wants. Even when our prayers 
may suggest otherwise. You know, sometimes we pray contrary to God's will. But the Spirit intervenes <laughs> and prays in accordance with God's will for us. I'll say it again. God's will is not based upon my prayer life. Now, I'm going to talk in a moment about the importance of praying. But I want you to feel the weight of that this morning. That God's answer to your prayers in accordance with his will is not based upon your theological jargon. It's not based upon how polished you sound. I know what Jesus says. We don't need to be vain and, rep and repeat ourselves aimlessly. There is a way to pray, especially when you pray publicly. But the point here is there are self-righteous prayers that are to ourselves that have all the dots and the eyes and the eyes dotted theologically. For example, Luke's gospel, remember that story? I think it's chapter 18. You have the religious man praying a theologically tight prayer to himself as he's asking God not to let, thank God that he's not a sinner like that guy over there. God did not answer that prayer. He answered the prayer of the sinner who said, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Four applications. One. So maybe you're thinking, okay, the Spirit prays for me, so I don't have to pray. Nope. Number one, pray without ceasing. In all circumstances, especially when we suffer, be intentional to create space to spend time in fervent intercessory prayer. And here's how you should pray, I think. Bringing all your pain to Jesus. Don't worry about the amount of time, but focus on the faithful and consistent act of praying without ceasing. Praying without ceasing does not mean you are a, are a monk and you live a monastic life and all you do is pray. It means you are practicing a rhythm of your life as a rhythm of praying to the Lord. It's like walking in the Spirit. As a normal pattern of your life, you are taking your worries, your cares, to God. You are praying because that is the normal thing for a Christian to do. It's like you breathe air. Prayer is your spiritual air that you breathe. And it's a normal rhythm of your life. So if you don't know what to pray when you suffer, here's how you should pray. God, I don't know what to pray. <laughs> Please help me. Because if you pray without ceasing, this is the kind of prayer that will make your spiritual bones as strong as steel. So that when you feel broken, your prayer to God, when you're weak, even when you don't know what to say, other than God, I don't know what to say, God can use that as a means by which to strengthen your spiritual bones and to enable you to persevere through your suffering. The Spirit bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. How? Through our broken, weak, and thoughtless prayers that the Spirit will translate in conformity with God's will. Pray without ceasing. Second, trust the Spirit with your prayers. 
Trust the Spirit with your prayers. Don't worry about using the right words to impress God. God is not impressed with us. Now, just to clarify, I should not have to do this, but I got trolls, so I'm going to clarify it. I'm all about having my theological I's dotted and my T's crossed. I want theological orthodoxy. But my point is that your $2 theological words are not going to impress God. He doesn't want to be impressed when you pray. He wants to see a heart yielded to him in reliance, pleading with him. Even if that means you open your mouth and nothing comes out except agony. Don't focus on impressing God, but take your honest, vulnerable, broken, beautiful, innocent, and persistent prayers to God and trust the Spirit to translate them or to change them in conformity with with God's Will. Perhaps the only prayer you have the strength to say is, Lord, have mercy. That's what my auntie prayed. She gave her life to Christ. Her life didn't get better. Physically, it got worse. And as she came to the end of her life, I read scripture to her, cried together, prayed together. But all she could do before she became unconscious was cry out to God and say, Lord, have mercy. And he did. He took her to be with Jesus. Third, pray scripture. The Spirit uses prayer to answer our prayers in accordance with God's will. And God has revealed his will to us in His word. Now, let me say a word about God's will here. God's will is very complex, okay? Perhaps that's an understatement, but it's very complex. And and the Bible talks about the will of God, I think, in different ways. It talks about the will of God as the permissive will of God. That there are things that God will allow to happen to us. Permissive. The Bible also talks about God's secret will. Things that God decides to do that he has decided for reasons known to himself. As Deuteronomy says, the secret things belong to the Lord. But then there's also what we call the decreed will of God, where God determines something to be, and it happens like he predestines us, chooses us in Christ before the foundation of the world so that when we hear the gospel, we would respond to it by the Spirit, by faith. God does that before we believe. This is the creed will. There's also the revealed will of God. God's revealed will, I think, is, is what he clearly reveals to us in his word, in scripture. So no, I don't know what God's will for you regarding what college you should go to or what job you should take or what person you should marry. I don't know what God's will is for you regarding that. But I do know that it's God's will for every single believer to walk in the spirit. But how do you know that? Because the Bible says so. Walk in the spirit and you shall by no means fulfill the lust of the flesh. So I would encourage you this morning, if you want your prayers to be answered, then pray in accordance with what God has revealed in his word. 
So, for example, Jesus teaches us to pray. So pray, Lord, help me to pray. And the Spirit will help you to pray. The Bible teaches us that that God wants us to walk in the Spirit. So say, Lord, help me to walk in the Spirit. And guess what? The Spirit agrees with that prayer. Because that's God's will. And you know that because that's what His Word says. Here's how I prayed for you this morning. Father, help our prayers to be conformed to your will by means of the prayers of the Spirit. If you want to see God answer prayer, then pray what God has already decided he wants to do. Now, pray for other things as well. But a means by which, hear this carefully, a means by which God works out his will is through prayer. His will is not dependent upon our prayers, but he uses prayer as a means. And one means is the Spirit praying for us, you see. Does that make sense? Makes sense. And the invitation is, Agree with what the Spirit is saying already to us through God's Word and watch the Lord answer those prayers. Watch the Lord do something marvelous through those prayers. Fourth, pray in community. Midtown, we have an emphasis on prayer, a prayer ministry. We've emphasized from the pulpit the importance of praying together when we get together privately. So to give you a practical example of this, so if you gather together coming up during basketball season and you're gathering to watch the greatest college basketball team in the history of college basketball, University of Kentucky Wildcats, to demolish the U of L Cardinals, which will happen in addition to fellowshipping around the game and talking friendly garbage to each other about each other's teams, Spend some time praying together, asking the Lord to help you walk in the Spirit, U of L fans, as Kentucky <laughs> wins the game. You should also do this, I think. You, you should pray. When someone asks you to pray for them, don't just say, I will, because you might forget. I, I do this. Someone says, pray for me, and I say, okay. And I see them a week later, and they say, thank you for praying. God answered that prayer. And I think, oops. (laughs) Praise God, he answered your prayer, but but I forgot. Which proves the point, right? We don't know what to pray, but we also don't pray sometimes, and the Spirit still works. If someone asks you to pray for them, here's what I try to do more and more. If someone says, Pastor Jarvis, would you pray for me about this? I'll say, yes, let me pray for you right now. And we'll pray right there on the spot. Just practice doing that. It's an invitation for us not to avoid prayer because the Spirit prays for us, but to to embrace prayer because the Spirit prays for us. And finally, let me just say to those of you who are not believers, your invitation is to turn from your sin. Life is hard. And death is near for all of us. And the invitation for you today is to receive life. If you turn from your sin, if you're not a Christian, hear me carefully. If you're not a Christian, you can turn from your sin right now. And you can believe by faith that God offered Jesus on the cross to die for your personal sin. And if you call upon the name of the Lord and ask him to save you, he will save you right now. 
If you believe he raised Jesus from the dead for your sins, you say, save me, Jesus. He will save you right now. And the promise of the Spirit is for you and for your children if they also believe. So let go of your life today to gain it. Come and receive the invitation to have the Spirit pleading for you when you don't know what to say to God. And He'll do it if you turn from your sin today. So brothers and sisters, let's pray. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.